Hey, what's up? This is Bill Burr, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Um, keep listening, because if you're like me, you have nothing better to do. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Justin Kinney recalls what it was like being a policeman who also lived in a trailer park. When I became a cop and I moved into the trailer park, everybody saw the police car pull in. And nobody knew that I was moving in. They thought the cops, everyone like waited outside for me to come out with somebody. We'll hear more from Justin in just a few minutes. We have a special report. Turns out conservatives are funny too. Hmm, I think we already knew that. I'll explain later. But first, as always, fake news. And now fake news with me. Good news for harried commuters, working from home is becoming increasingly more common. An additional 4.2 million workers did their jobs from home at least one day a week in the past decade, according to the Census Bureau. The trend makes up for years of people sleeping at work. A Pennsylvania judge has struck down a conservative-led effort to require a photo ID at polling locations in the November elections. Proponents say the measure is needed to clamp down on voter fraud. Liberal groups say such cases are rare. In a related story, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement announced this past Wednesday that it is investigating a Republican voter registration firm for possible fraud in at least a dozen counties. Remarked a GOP spokesman in Pennsylvania, You see, we should know! By most accounts, challenger Mitt Romney was the clear winner of this past Wednesday's first debate with President Barack Obama. And by most accounts, I mean anyone who saw even part of it. Romney engaged the incumbent while President Obama merely looked down at his lectern. The challenger was a more forceful debater while President Obama appeared less than engaged. Romney aides credited the winning performance to a new software upgrade that was done on the governor. The big drop in the unemployment rate a month before the presidential election brought cries of disbelief and conspiracy theories from Jack Welch and other critics of the Obama administration Friday. Unbelievable jobs numbers. These Chicago guys will do anything. Can't debate, so change numbers, tweeted the former CEO of General Electric, Jack Welch. But Welch did not respond to requests for further comment on his tweet because he was busy yelling at kids to get off his lawn. The home of Blinds brand KitchenAid apologized Wednesday evening for a political tweet sent out from its official account during the presidential debate. The tweet has been removed. Uh, actually, so has uh, KitchenAid's uh, Twitter account, because I couldn't find this um, when I looked for it. The tweet has been removed, but at least a dozen retweets of that post showed, and it read, Obama's grandma even knew it was going to be bad. She died three days before he became president. In a statement, KitchenAid CEO Marissa Meyer apologized on Twitter, saying the tweet was a mistake and that the person responsible is no longer tweeting for the brand. Yes, Glenn Beck is out of work again. The first snowstorm of the season has hit eastern North Dakota's Red River Valley, causing travel problems and power outages. The National Weather Service has posted a winter storm warning for northeastern North Dakota, with 6 to 12 inches of snow expected. Fox News would have made fun of Al Gore and global warming, but the former vice president cleverly undercut that effort by claiming President Obama's disappointing debate performance was caused by Denver's high altitude. Nicole Kidman is clearing up buzz that emerged when her ex Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes split up. Quote, I never spoke to her, unquote, Kidman tells Australia's Who magazine, a sister publication of People, and a sister publication to New Zealand's What magazine, and Canada's Huh magazine. Said Kidman, quote, I wish all of them well, but I was not involved in any of that. The actress was married to Cruise from 1990 to 2001 when her contract expired. It's finally happened. Facebook exceeded 1 billion users this past week. Co-founder and chief executive Mark Zuckerberg announced Thursday that his social media site had hit that milestone. If Facebook were a country, it would be the second largest, the most diverse, 
and the least productive. And that's been Fake News with me. Oh, Facebook, I can always count on you to help me find a topic for a dumb bit. Well, there I was uh, on Facebook, and I saw something that uh, somebody had shared with me. In fact, it was a guy that uh, I know from college who I've mentioned before on the show. Uh, very conservative, likes Bruce Springsteen. Not sure how you resolve that conundrum. Some of you listen to the show on a regular basis. Hey, now, wait a minute, PF. You like the Beach Boys. They are staunch conservatives. How do you reconcile that? Well, I would point out that what the Beach Boys sing about isn't diametrically opposed to a, a progressive viewpoint, number one. And uh, number two is I actually uh, support some conservative causes and ideas. So, But uh, more on that in a bit. Uh, what my friend from college had shared was this thing I'd never seen before called News Busted. What is News Busted, you might ask? Well, let me tell you. You go to their YouTube channel and it says, About News Busted. News Busted is a fake news show, kind of like the Weekend Update segment on Saturday Night Live. Okay, that's the end of the description. And I would add to that, there is one distinct difference between News Busted and the Weekend Update segment on Saturday Night Live. Let's see if you can figure out what it is. Hey everybody, welcome to News Busted. I'm Jody Miller. Let's get started. Islamic protesters have been attacking American embassies all across the Middle East. Wow. We haven't seen this much anti-American sentiment since the Democrat convention in Charlotte. <laughs> the Obama administration ordered flags at all U.S. embassies to be lowered to half-mass. That way it'll be easier for the protesters to get at them and burn them. <laughs> right after the murders at our embassy in Libya, Obama went to a fundraiser in Las Vegas, sending a clear message to the world that he wants what happens in Libya to stay in Libya. <laughs> Did you see a pattern there? All you need now is one of those French surrender jokes. But France says they're not closing the embassies. They're just pre-surrendering. <laughs> Okay, well, before you say, well, they're not all like that, surely, yeah, they are. I listen to a lot of them. Every single one. So, uh, you're going to say to yourself, well, well PF, that The Daily Show makes fun of conservatives all the time, and they never make fun of progressives or the president. Okay, well, let's listen to The Daily Show uh, a couple days after the president spoke at the UN and then failed to meet with any world leaders before heading back to Washington, D.C. You can't just be meeting every world leader willy-nilly. <laughs> Just because he's not meeting him face to face doesn't mean his agenda isn't filled with perhaps high level strategic situation room, DEFCON, economic simulations. President Obama will appear on The View this morning. Now, did you hear the audience at the end there? The Daily Show audience actually groaned at that. Okay, well, the uh, news busted audience would groan, but they can't because it's a laugh track. And nothing tells you something's funny like a laugh track. Okay, well, uh, moving on to the debate, news busted, they had the scoop on how the media was going to react. The liberally biased media was going to react to the debate. They had this scoop fully one week before the debate. The first presidential debate is next week. And you know what that means. The mainstream media has already declared Obama the winner. <laughs> Take that, Johnny Stew. Jody Miller and her fake audience have news busted you a week ahead of time. Here's Johnny Stew the night after the big debate. There is no red America. There is no blue America. There is only the America that can't believe how bad this guy did in the debate. <laughs> and he's pointing to a picture of President Obama, by the way. 
Now, he did get a couple jabs in at Mitt Romney uh, after that joke, but the whole second segment of The Daily Show was, well, here, I'll let you have a listen. Get out your shine boxes, Democratic surrogates, because this may be the least shiny turd ever made. Like someone on a strict diet of cement and talc. Oh, it was a pretty dull turd. First strategy, <laughs> redefinition. To the layman, President Obama looked lethargic and out of it. But according to the turd polisher's thesaurus, it wasn't lethargy, it was... President Obama handled himself with that dignified reserve that we've all seen as part of who President Obama is. And the whole rest of the segment is just Democrats trying to re-spin the president's dreadful performance into something positive. Pretty hilarious stuff. Okay, need more convincing? Friend of the show, Jimmy Dore, he's a progressive. Here's the significant thing. He isn't welded to the, to the progressive movement so much that he can't find humor in everything political. Uh, exhibit A, this is from uh, his show back in the spring. Jimmy, this is Barack Obama. I was uh, listening to the show recently, and I'm not going to mince words here. I'm Steve. I'm hot under the collar, you could say. If you could see my hands now, you would know. Uh, one of them is bowled into a fist, and it's raised in front of me. That is the very talented and funny Mike McRae calling into the Jimmy Dore show as President Barack Obama. And they had a little fun with the president. Now, does the Jimmy Dore show and the Daily Show and Real Time with Bill Maher, are the jokes uh, mostly uh, at the expense of conservatives? Sure. Am I going to tell you that those guys aren't progressives? No. Although two of the three of them would bristle at that only because I, I think they would fear that you would see the comedy just through that prism. And you have to understand the comedy comes first is the point I'm trying to make here. Okay? So... Uh, newsbusters.org, who's behind this? Well, it turns out uh, it is the Media Research Center, and uh, I did some research on the Media Research Center, and here's what I found. The Media Research Center, according to the usually reliable Wikipedia, is a conservative content analysis organization based in Alexandria, Virginia, founded in 1987 by conservative activist L. Brent Basel III. So I think I've heard of these guys before. Anyway, its stated mission is to, quote, prove through scientific research that liberal bias in the media does exist and undermines traditional American values. Okay, well, I, I'm not sure about uh, their scientific methods over there at the Media Research Center. If the scientific method is comparable to their comedy writing skills, then I think they'd be hard-pressed to even explain to you why water evaporates. Okay, now I'm going to get a little bit mean with Newsbusters. Uh, now, the first time I heard this, maybe because I was listening to it with headphones, well, I'll show you what I mean. I'm Jody Miller. Let's get started. Media and household income has... Now, I'm not sure you can hear that, but if you grew up in uh, the U.S. or Canada in the early 80s, you may remember a TV commercial with actress Brenda Vaccaro uh, discussing feminine products, and uh, it went a little something like this. Let me tell you why I like Playtex best. Only Playtex... Now, maybe if you're not listening with headphones, you didn't hear that big gulp of air she took before uh, her next sentence, and she does that all throughout the commercial, prompting the comedy geniuses at Second City Television to come up with this parody. I'm Brenda Vaccaro. I'd like to speak to you about something that means a great deal to me. <laughs> protection. Feminine protection. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's mean. And, and it, you, if you listen to this uh, podcast closely enough, when I haven't had time to edit, especially during the interviews, you hear this little sound or a little lip-smacking sound I make uh, before I speak sometimes. But it's only because the comedy is so tasty. Okay, so what is Jodie Miller's real deal? Well, apparently she's actually a, a real comedian. And what do you mean by a real comedian, P.F.? Well, she's not like this guy. Western conservative summit, Denver, Colorado. Are you kidding me? I am in Nirvana tonight. I don't, but when I see conservative and Denver... Okay, this goes on for like five minutes before he actually even tells a joke, which, which is weird because I've seen some of his other stuff, and he, he does actually have jokes. But uh, anyway, he's another one of these guys that's, you know, ideology first, 
comedy second. And Jody Miller apparently is uh, is friends or friendly with people that I am friends or friendly with, like uh, Jeff Tate or um, Josh Need or Jackie Cation, all friends of this podcast. So uh, I'm just a little puzzled uh, by about how she's mixed up in something like Newsbusters. And it's presented from this position of, oh, conservatives are funny too. Well, I've got news for you. Conservatives are funny. It isn't funny too. I have a list of comedians who are decidedly conservative, like Colin Quinn, Rich Foss, Nick Diapolo, Tim Slagle, Drew Carey, Jeff Foxworthy, Dennis Miller, Drew Hastings, Penn Jillette, Nate Pergazzi. So there's, there's a ton of them out there. And even though Miller's more concerned with being a pundit uh, than he is with being a comedian sometimes, uh, if there's like some kind of a battle where we have to send our sharpest comedian to uh, Russia or something to battle their sharpest comedian, I'm not sure I send Dennis Miller ahead of Johnny Stew. It's a, it's a tough call, or, or Marr. I, between those three guys, they're all pretty even in, in the smarts department, okay? And But the rest of this list I just named for you, these people put comedy first, and they do a joke about politics or society. Yeah, it's from a conservative point of view, but it's funny because the funny comes first. And another guy I would mention to you, uh, not a comedian, but a very funny guy, Kelsey Grammer, very conservative, very funny, probably one of my favorite comedy actors. I think the reason Frasier, the uh, sitcom, holds up almost 20 years later is because of his performance. It's just it's just still that good a show. Catch a rerun if you can. So where does that leave us? Well, another misguided attempt by people to try and put ideology before comedy, uh, thereby trying to give you a comedy that is politically insightful, but ends up being neither insightful nor comedy. And so what you get is uh, a lot of stuff like this. Obamacare will raise taxes on six million middle-class people. The mainstream media is waiting for Mitt Romney to make a statement on the matter so they can blame the tax hike on him. See, that's funny, right? Because it, it, it's, it's got people laughing at the end there, even though it's phony. All right, so I don't know. I guess better luck next time, uh, guys, because like I said, if you could just kind of, you know, distill what the, that list I mentioned before, get some of those guys, you know, and, and do a comedy show where they put the comedy first, you might get some jokes, you know, that it, it's all around funny. You know, you can take a couple swings at your guy, too. You can still take most of the swings, you know, at the left and the president, because after all, he's in power, you know, a good guy to take a swing at, obviously. And um, I don't know, maybe someday conservatives will come up with a show as funny as The Daily Show or Real Time or The Jimmy Dore Show. <laughs> Justin McKinney is a former police officer who decided to become a stand-up comedian. He has his own half-hour comedy special. He's been on all the major chat shows, as they used to say back in the 70s. And he'll be recording a brand new one-hour special this month in Manchester, New Hampshire. Here is our interview with Justin McKinney. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's actually been a few years since we spoke, and... Um, it's funny, a lot of uh, times, you know, I think a, a, a comedian's joke will stick with me, just one particular joke, and I always think of you when I go to a hotel room and see that bottle of water sitting there, uh, that joke you have that you're never opening that bottle even the room catches on fire. Oh, that's so funny. Did I tell you that on an interview, or did you, yeah, yeah. you do it live? No, that was, that was years ago in an interview. Yeah, it's so funny because uh, I don't even ever really do that's a joke I do once in a while. It's funny that one sticks out. That's a good indication that I should probably keep doing that joke. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I tell that to other people too. Like uh, Vince Morris, I was telling that he does a bit about his dad sitting in the dark smoking cigarettes and just you know being real terse and everything. And he goes, I haven't done that in a while. I should probably go back to doing that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But then I told this one gal who's a comedian here. She had this this great joke. Uh, she said she put it on Facebook. She said, "I know what it's like to wear a suit or to wear, to wear a, a tie to work every day. I used to work at Steak and Shake." And I'm like, "That's a gorgeous joke. You've got to do that." Show back the next day. It bombed. 
So yeah. take that for what it's worth. So, so you never see, you never know. But it is a good point. I mean, I've always loved that. Did, did that go in with the whole thing where I'm not white trash? Yeah, I'm yeah. Like a step above white yep. trash. Yep. Yeah, I'm white, white clutter. Yeah, and it's <laughs> funny. I hardly ever do white clutter anymore. And just in Pittsburgh, three or four people came up to me last week and said, "Oh, love white clutter, love white clutter." And I'm like, I should probably be bringing. I should probably do more of that. Oh yeah, hey, it resonates, man. <laughs> because people connect to it and. And, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, like, the thing with the bottle. It's like, you know, it's like, that's a perfect, like, and I haven't done that on TV or haven't done that on anything, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that to me. Yeah. In fact, uh, the last time I w that happened, we were actually in Las Vegas, I think at Treasure Island, and they'd, um, we were there for an anniversary or some special, or it was my birthday, I guess it ended up being, so they, ended, they sent up some uh, flowers and stuff and some candies, and, uh... I didn't realize that the bottle wasn't part of it. And I went to open the bottle of water, and I was like, no! So I had to go across the street yeah. to Walgreens to buy a $1.50 bottle of water and replace the $6 bottle of water that I'd opened up. Yeah, it's funny. And when I when I go to a place like Vegas or Palm Springs, like Florida, you're like, you're so hot and exhausted, you need fucking water. <laughs> you know, you, you, you get into the room, and it's like, they, you know what I mean? It's like you're trapped. It's like, you're thirsty? It's been hot, right? And it's your water, five, six bucks, you know? And then and sometimes I go, I don't know how they make any money off that. I mean, uh, how are they making any money? I mean, it's hardly no markup. You know? <laughs> exactly. It's all, it's all about revenue streams. Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And the whole white clutter thing, it's funny because I'm taping my new one-hour special in October. Oh, cool. On at October 20th, and it's actually the this Acme gig is a tune-up for it. I'm going to be working on the material that I'm going to do on my special. Um, and I started to play back in with white clutter, not this, not the white clutter stuff I've already done on TV in the past, but like just that concept of just using different examples of being white clutter. Oh yeah. I think I'm going to bring. I think I'm going to start incorporating that in and see how it feels, and maybe do a little of that on the new special as well. Cool. Yeah, I think you could probably go uh, in quite a few different directions with that. Well, it's everything, whether I'm talking about my kids and, you know, I do this thing about how, you know, swimming lessons is expensive, so I save some money. I signed them up for an online course, <laughs> you know, and, you know, just stuff like that, you know what I mean, yeah. where it's like I'm always, you know, um, so, you know, not wait, I do this thing about not wasting things, and, you know, so it all kind of plays in. If something expires, like, you know what I mean, I haven't opened it yet, I flip out and all that, so. Now, as I recall, you had uh, a career outside of uh, comedy for a while in the uh, law enforcement field. In the 1990s, I was a cop in, uh, yeah, in, in, on, on the main New Hampshire border. Yep. And, um, but as I, as I recall, too, you were, were, um, weren't really a strict officer. You were kind of, you kind of used your humor to kind of diffuse a couple of situations and get a, you know, get a couple people in line because you knew you weren't going to do it with, uh, with your muscular build, shall we say. With that and the fact that I had no backup, you know, it was, it was 14 oh. towns and my backup, I, I would joke my backup was like a day and a half away. You know, it's like, so I literally had to use my, uh, you know, my head in my, my, my humor to make sure that, you know, this guy didn't want to, you know, to kill me, you know what I mean? And so when you were going on stage, you know, did you kind of have the mindset of, well, what's the worst that could happen, you know, I've dealt with criminals. You know, and trying to be funny with them. What's the worst this crowd's going to do? Yeah, I mean, it, it did help. I mean, I mean, definitely, it clearly wasn't as dangerous um, being up on stage. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of, some people don't like cops, too. So it's like, when you're in that uniform, people might look at you and just 
not like you because you're a cop. I never had to worry about someone looking at me and not liking me because I'm a comedian. Um, so, I'm curious, how long did it take to make that move out of the law enforcement into comedy? Was it a, a, a gradual progression? You just kept you know, getting better and better as a comedian and figured out that chuck this law enforcement yeah, I thing? Took, I took a leave of absence in like 93, 94. took a leave of absence. I worked part-time for three years while I was down in Boston. And then in 97, I moved to uh, New York. I had to give it up for good when I moved to New York in 1997. But you're back in Maine now. I'm in New Hampshire now. In New Hampshire, I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, got out of the rat race, eh? Well, it was because of my wife. I, 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 you know, she, she kind of made me, in 2006, she made me move back to New Hampshire. I call her my little, uh, my little dream crusher. <laughs> That's sweet. Uh, so, now I've got to, I'm literally trying to, like, you know, stay in the game and make it work while living in New Hampshire, you know? So, I mean, since I've been back, you know, I've done a, I've done two Comedy Central specials, and I've gotten you know Conan O'Brien and a couple small parts, couple small parts in uh, um, in movies, The Zookeeper. And here comes the boom is the new movie um, that's coming out with Kevin James in a couple weeks. I've got a small couple lines in that as well. Cool. Aww. So I'm dropping, but it's very hard living in New Hampshire and making it. It's all about your connections. Yeah. And, you know, right place at the right time. And when you're up in New Hampshire, it's out of sight, out of mind. So, um, you know, trying trying to juggle everything, raise the family, and, um, you know, make it all work. And, you know, my last special, Comedy Central, it was on Comedy Central and Warner Brothers produced it. And now this, this one I'm self-producing just so that I own it. Because the last one I don't uh. own. I, I, can't do, I can't do anything with my one hour. You can do one of those things where you can uh, download it from your website? Yeah, I think I might do digital downloads and all that. Yep. Cool. So, um, apart from thinking about bringing back the white clutter thing, what else have you been talking about lately? Basically, as my kids get older, you know, I start doing material about whatever is, uh, you know, is going on. Um, so it's, it's both mostly about just, you know, living in the middle class, you know, trying to keep my head up going check to check. Um, you know, uh, I think I told you before, I, you know, we bought our house in 2006 and we could flip it and move into a Ford Focus. So we're underwater in my house. My whole neighborhood is everyone's underwater. No one can leave. So everyone's like depressed and sad. Like I, I say, we, I just, I, I just started the neighborhood suicide watch. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, just stuff about that. Just trying to make it work with, uh, everything that's going on, trying to raise kids in this world. Um, but I also do some, uh, you know, some topical stuff on this too, some stuff that's going on, uh, you know, whether it's contraception and, you know, some of, some of the issues like that that are out there. Yeah, I was going to say, probably the, uh, the current events thing probably works into that, uh, pretty well, but I guess for, in, in terms of the special, that probably might be a little bit of a hindrance, because you don't want, you know, uh, folks next year to be saying, like, you know, why is he talking about Mitt Romney? Who's that guy? Yeah, you don't want it to be, um, for your specials, you don't want to do something that's funny. I've got a, I've got a really middle-of-the-road Obama joke that um, it's not, it doesn't pick sides at all. It's just, I think, a really funny joke, and I'm debating whether I want to do it on the special. But I think people are going to, I don't know, if Obama gets reelected, which I think he probably is, it looks like he's going to, the joke's not going to really be old for like eight years. Right. <laughs> there you go. They'll take you that know. chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I mean, when it comes to the current events thing, I, I suppose it's it probably it, like you're probably in the same dilemma a lot of comedians are. It's like you know, you, how do you make it funny without you know pissing off half the room? Well, that's just it. Political stuff is very tricky. I, I had a picture on my Facebook page. I went to see Obama speak because he was in my hometown. Oh. So my dad called me up and said, "Hey, I got two tickets. You want to go?" So I go. I put a picture on Facebook, and wouldn't you know it, I get. I'm getting all these emails. Oh, I can't believe it. Obama, you're a liberal. So then to back it up, I go, look, I go, don't read into it. I go, to make it fair. And then I put a post a picture of me when I used to protect George Bush 1, the first Bush, ah. in Kennebunkport, Maine. I used to do the secret, I used to do the presidential detail when I was a cop. Oh. So I put that up there. And then I had people going, oh, yeah, it looks like you're holding, you know, that's not, that's a fake smile. <laughs> no, I know you, you're a liberal, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so then I had to put it on my Facebook page, and I think you'll see this on my fan page. I, I put it, I, I posted, look, I don't know who I'm voting for yet, I'm up in the air. I have a gay four-year-old that can't find a job. <laughs> so I try to do stuff that's kind of middle of the road, yeah. go either way. Um, you know, I'll do, I try not to pick sides. Like, I'll talk about how my neighbor has a 35-foot Mitt Romney sign in his yard. We live at the end of a dead-end road. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, just come over and tell me who you're voting for. I go, you really don't need, you really need the landscape lighting, the floodlights on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, so I'll do stuff where I'm not really kind of picking sides. Yeah, yeah. Probably the, probably the probably the best approach to to have. Um, yeah, I, I guess particularly with you know when you were on the um, blue collar next generation tour uh, a while back. I was. Yeah. Yeah, that was a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, so I would imagine your material fit in pretty well, even though um, I think people think it's more of a of a southern thing. Uh, you being from the northeast, that, that that probably worked out pretty well though. Come you know with the you know the white clutter and so forth. Well, that was that was their thinking. Um, was that, you know, here I was, I mean, I was a cop and I lived in a trailer, you know, I was a cop in a trailer in Maine. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of, that's pretty blue collar. Um, so, uh, that was their thinking and that's why they asked me to do it. And, do you... and I don't know if I told you, when I, when I lived, I don't know if I ever told you, when I, when I became a cop and I moved into the trailer park, everybody saw the police car pull in. And nobody knew that I was moving in. They thought the cops, everyone, like, waited outside for me to come out with somebody. <laughs> like, because, they, my police, because my police car came home with me. Yeah. So it, it came home with me. So, like, the next day, my neighbor woke up, and he's like, I think that guy stole a police car. He thought I stole the police car. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, my brother. Oh, go ahead. My brother is a deputy sheriff in uh, Orlando, Florida, and he would take his uh, cop car home. And he lived in a trailer for a while, but now he, he has a, a lovely home uh, there. Yeah. In, yeah, so um, that, that's funny stuff. Um, so uh, what do you? Uh, what, what's the trajectory like going from here to, to try to land more movie roles or maybe you know, move out in a direction of where, you know, you're playing like the theaters and, uh, you know, doing the I, hour a year? I am doing – I do do theaters back here in New England. Um, you know, more in the theater scene, but it's just about doing the stand-up. Yes, trying to get into more writing. I created a show online. It's called Hose. It's on my YouTube channel. Okay. It's about a volunteer fire department in the fictitious town of Effingwood, New Hampshire. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. That's Hose, and I did that with Gary Valentine and Lenny Clark, and I'm uh, Apostle, Dennis Leary's company, and I, we've been developing it. Um, we're trying to sell it 
and get it on TV or, you know, possibly in a movie. Cool. Yeah, so, so, I, so I'm working, I'm always working, and then these little roles, like I said, here comes the boom, I'm a ref, two lines. Did you see Zookeeper? Uh, my family did. They watched it on the, on an airplane uh, when we were going down to Florida. They rented. They took it off the iTunes there. Oh, okay, good. Well, anyway, I'm the hotel manager that tells Kevin James that there's a, he's peeing in the plant of the Four Seasons, and I tell him there's a bathroom 20 feet away. Okay. You know, so that's, that's me and that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm always, I would like to do more TV and movies, but that's really challenging where I'm living, so it's a lot of working on my stand-up, um, you know, traveling around and just, uh, you know, making people laugh. Well, maybe it'll work out in the long run if uh, Hosed works out. It'd probably be a better gig anyway. Hosed would be great if, if that if that comes to that. Well, cool. We'll certainly link to that uh, from the Podbean page here and uh, get, put some more eyeballs on that. Um, well, before I let you go, Justin, if you could do a liner for me, that would be super. Anything along the lines of, uh, you know, hi, this is Justin McKinney, and you're listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. Okay. Hey, this is Justin McKinney, and you are listening to P.S. Tape recorder. Perfect, man. You're a pro. Want me to do another one? Uh, sure. Hey, this is Justin McKinney, and you're listening to PF's tape recorder. Don't know why he still has a tape recorder, but he's a cool guy. Check him out. All right. Thanks, man. And uh, I know you were in Cincinnati here a couple of weeks ago, and we missed you, unfortunately. I think we had, I don't know what we had going on. We, with the kids, there's always something going on, obviously, but um, I hope yeah. we'll see you back again soon in Cincinnati, and uh, we'll come check you out. I think my wife would dig you. Sounds great. I would uh, I would love to do it. All right, super. Um, we'll get you some mink again in Cincinnati as well when that happens. Uh, in the meantime, of course, continuous success. Good luck with the hour special. When do you think that'll be out? Um, I'm not sure. Hopefully this is the top of 2013. You know, I'll, I'll shoot it October 20th. I hope to get it out in uh, 2013. Cool. We'll keep people posted then. All right, man. Well, good luck to you, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate the episode. All right, Justin. Thanks a lot. Thanks again to Justin McKinney for being on the podcast. You can catch Dustin. You can catch Justin in Boston, Massachusetts. On Friday, October 12th, he'll be at the Revere Hotel in Boston Common. And then the big special is being recorded in Manchester, New Hampshire at the Palace Theater on Saturday, October 20th. Showtime is 7.30. Of course, we will have links on the PF Radio Podbean site. That is pfradio.podbean.com. Okay, the credits. The PF Tape Recorder logo, of course, is designed by Dan Coble. Follow him at TigerDactyl on Twitter. You can like this podcast on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at PF66. Uh, we'll have links to the SoundCloud account as well. That's where we have to kind of distill some of the best bits, and I put that in quotes, uh, out of the show and post there for you to download and enjoy and collect and trade with friends. Uh, I believe that is all the business we have for this episode, other than to say so long and thanks for listening. <laughs>